1: True freedom is the spirit enabling grace to do the right thing on the basis of truth. Oh, you just don't know how tough my life has been, pastor. If you know how tough it is for me, you wouldn't be saying that this is there's an, an easy solution to this. I never said there's an easy solution. The Bible never says there's an easy solution. The Bible says that we need to rely on the grace of God. That's what the Bible teaches. To be free is to rely on the grace of God and to hold on to what's true. Doing whatever we please is not freedom. It's the worst kind of bondage. And I do believe that the reason why so often so many Christians fall into these seductive teachings is that it's easier to believe a lie than to do what's right and true. I know that's true in my life, you know. Look at a little kid. Little kid, it's easier for a little kid to say no, right? Because it's easier. Because if you say yes, there's responsibility that comes with it, all right? Same thing with a Christian. You know, it's, it's easier to believe a lie uh, than to hang on to the truth. But nevertheless, that's the, the whole thing about being a Christian. Hold on to the truth. And walk in what is right. Why do you think there's so many weight loss products out there that promises that you can lose weight in a week? Huh? Why do you think there's so many of those commercials? You know it's not true. You know the only way you're going to lose weight, all right? Two, two ways. Okay. You're dying. I don't want that option. Or... Cut down your calories from 1 million to 500,000. You know that that's true. We all know that that's true. You don't eat too much. You're going to lose weight. But no, there are these people saying, Ah, you got to do this. You're going to lose weight. It's, you know, people buy into that because it's easier. Why do you think there's so many hair growth products? The promise is to grow your hair. If you just put this on. I mean, they're selling hats that will grow your hair. Can you believe that? The purpose of the hat is to cover the baldness. But now they're selling hats to grow the hair. Lies. Jesus never promised that the road to eternal life is an easy road to walk. But we need to walk it in freedom. So, I've said all of that to give you three points this morning about what it means to live in freedom. What is true freedom? To answer the question, what is true freedom? We need to identify the false. Okay, to get to the answer, you know, it's, it's not a simple question. What is true Christian freedom? To answer that, we need to be familiar with what it means to expose uh, false freedom. So I have three, three things this morning. Okay, number one, false freedom is based on flawed promises. That's number one. You know that freedom is false when it's based... On flawed promises. Look at verse 17 again. These men are, I love the descriptions here about false promises, okay? Flawed promises. These men are springs without water, mist driven by storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth. Empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful nature, human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. What this is saying is basically be careful with what you hear, uh, you know, people who say they're godly or Christians are saying. The test is not on what they say, the test is on who they are. Because godless people who pretend to be godly will often say big things, teach big things, in order to pray for those, make victims of those who are weak in their faith. And that's true within the Christian church. In, in, you know, I've been in enough church boardrooms to know that not everybody who holds a leadership position inside the church Is qualified. Why? Because oftentimes when we choose our leaders, we choose choose them on the basis of the externals, the external qualifications. The only qualification we need for leaders to be in church, to, to be church leaders, is the requirement of godliness, being authentic to the gospel, being true to the gospel. They're not just, they just don't know the word, they also apply the word. They do not speak from the standpoint of the flesh. They speak from the standpoint of the spirit. Okay, uh, look, look at the description that Peter gives: spring without water. I mean, that 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 says it all. That's, that's a pretty good description. That that describes a a false, a flawed promise. Uh, they 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 can do a good uh, word of encouragement, but the result is usually empty. They, they care more about their own righteousness than the righteousness of God. But this is what Jesus says about water. Everyone, John 4, 14, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a, in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so once we receive living water, from Jesus, it continues on. It continues to flow. The purpose of which is to follow Jesus, to heed the words of Jesus, to apply the words of Jesus, to reflect the words of Jesus. Not our own righteousness, not our own abilities, not our own qualifications, but what Christ is doing in our lives on a daily basis. That's that's, that's true freedom. Here's another description. Mist driven by storm. You know, it's like looking at the dark clouds and saying, oh, it's about to rain, it's going to be big, it's going to be a deluge, and then nothing happened. And that's a description. You know, the most anticipated fight in boxing history was a fight between Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. It was regarded as the most expensive and the most anticipated event. I mean, this thing was big, I mean, the Las, the Las Vegas International Airport were having traffic, traffic issues with planes kept flying all over the world to be at the MGM to, fight, to watch this fight. The build-up to this fight was so enormous because there's so much at stake. And then we all saw the fight. It was the dullest fight ever. And let me tell you, I'm a pastor. I've seen fights between husbands and wives that are, that, that are more exciting. All right. This was a dud missed Driven by storm. But here's how God speaks. First Kings 19, to 12 The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a still small voice, a gentle whisper. What does it tell us? It tells us it's not because we are hearing this big talk, big build up about what it means to be this kind of Christian or that kind of Christian. At the end of the day, is God speaking in the inside of our hearts quietly, and telling us, I am the one who will solve your problems. I'm the one who's going to, to, to right the wrongs that have happened in your life. I'm the one that's going to deliver you from that bondage. All of these other things, they make a lot of noise. But hear my voice. I don't need to shout to tell you that I'm true. I am God. I don't need to shout. Yes, yes. God doesn't need to shout like you, Pastor. And then finally, the judgment on these people. Darkest, blackest darkness. And I've always been fascinated about that term. God is very serious about the authenticity of our confession of faith. Because if we falsify, if we falsify our testimony and affect other people in the falsifying of our testimony about the gospel... It says the darkest blackness. I mean, how dark can black be? I mean, it's an expression, I understand. It's an expression that says, go to the darkest place you've ever been, and it's darker than that. That's how serious God is when it comes to the fidelity of our testimony, to the fidelity of the Christian faith. Now, I'm not trying to make people feel like, you know, oh, I can't live up to this. We really can't, you know. And God is God is overemphasizing the seriousness of this so that we can realize that we can't live up to it so that we can trust Him and not be influenced by the intoxicating you know, teachings, intoxicating words by those who really do not have God's best interest in mind. All right? So that's an important thing. True freedom is based On the promises of God that endures. There's a second thing. False freedom is rooted in fake practices. Not just based on flawed promises, but it's also rooted in fake practices. Look at verse 19. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Counterfeit Christians are uncommitted to knowing Jesus. They have not been set free. They profess to be saved, but were really not redeemed. They have not escaped the corruption of the world. The difference between the redeemed or the born again and those who are not is that both say they are christians but one is free from bondage of sin and the other is not meaning the one who is born again may still commit sin but he he or she is not in bondage of it it's not the trajectory of his or her life he or she is not mastered by it the other one the counterfeit one is mastered by the sin and defends that sin. Hebrews 3.16 says. Encourage one another when. Daily. As long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened. By sin's deceitfulness. So even the writer of Hebrews. Even the biblical writers understand. How tough it is. For, uh, for some Christians. To, to, to fight off. All of the, the bondage. Uh, that, that sin can bring in. But we are called to encourage one another daily in order for us to escape from that because of the possibility of being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. How is sin deceitful? Well, you can hide behind good moral practices. Anybody can do that. We see that all over the place, right? A lot of people are morally upright on the outside, but... Severely corrupted in the inside. Uh, do you know any politicians who are like that? Probably 90% of them. I'm not judging. But there's a tendency to have an outward presentation but is not reflective of what's going on in the inside. I mean, elections happen because we are enticed by what has been promised to us. I mean, this is not a political statement. You know, I, Again, I, let me say this. I'm not a political person. You know, I I don't vote along party lines. I vote the values of scriptures. You know, and whoever closest to that, all right, this is just where I stand. Whoever is the closest to what represents to me as the Christian mandate, uh, you have a chance of getting my vote, okay? And I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent. I don't care about any of that because we're all people and all people are flawed, Right? I don't want to be given promises and then have something else happen. So I, I, I do my homework and I do that. But the, the point is, it's the false practice that makes the freedom false, the fake practices. OK? It's deceitful because you can hide your sin. I can hide my sin. That's why it's deceitful. Knowledge of truth results in authentic Christian practice. Jesus says, John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's a beautiful word from Jesus. But, and then there's a but. Can you imagine putting a but on the word of Jesus? But here's another truth that Jesus says. It's not because we know the truth means we're automatically set free. And that's true well you might be saying, well wait a minute Jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free yeah that's true you know, Jesus can't lie but how many times in your life and I know this is true in my life where I know absolutely what is true but I don't practice it alright okay wait man, the only person going to be honest enough in here to admit it well you should be you're, you're preaching well that's true for me Me knowing the truth has nothing to do with whether I practice it or not. And a lot of people are in that category. A lot of Christians. That's why with the knowledge of truth, we need a lot of grace from God. And aren't you grateful that when Jesus came, John chapter 1, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Because we need both to be free. That's a good spot to say amen. Knowing truth alone doesn't guarantee you'll practice it. Without the grace of God, trust me, you'll never practice it. I need grace, you need grace, and we need truth. We all need truth and grace together. I can stand over here and pound you in the head with truth. Won't change you. At the same time, I can disregard the truth and just give you a lot of grace and you'll do whatever you want. It doesn't work. True freedom is the infusion of God's grace working in us His truth. And that means the straight line of eternal life. Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctification is the work of grace. Truth is the instrument that cleans us up. You agree? Sanctification is the work of grace. Only God's grace can help us through it. It's the truth that cleans us up. When I was a kid, my mother used to give me a bath. If I did not behave, she gives me a bath publicly. And let me tell you something. It's an experience, you know. I, I, I know as a kid, I just played in the dirt. I just played in the dirt. I love the dirt. As a true person who was in the world before he became a Christian. So she will come, and if she's in a good mood, she will pour the water, clean me out, and use you know, liquid soap, wash me clean and all of that stuff. When she's angry, here comes the host, and she uses Ajax. Ajax is used to clean the floor, not the back of my skin. God is that way to us. All right? He cleanses us nevertheless, but when God is upset with us, he uses a different method of cleaning us up. But it's still the same process, right? The water represents the grace. The soap represents what cleans us up, the truth. That's how God operates in our life. True holiness is learning to hate what's bad for you. Finally, False freedom stems from a failed possession of God's Spirit. Now close with this. Look at verse 21. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. What is he saying here? It's saying that it is possible for someone to really pray a prayer to God and say that they trust Him, but it is not, if it's not accompanied by a commitment to follow the words of Jesus, it's not real conversion. Sooner or later they will go back to their old ways, like a dog going back to their own vomit. They could not tell the difference between the old life and the new life in Jesus. That's why when I ask people to come to Jesus, I tell them that Jesus paid for his life in order for them to be redeemed. But I add this, you also need to receive the Spirit of God. Because without the Spirit of God governing our life, trust me, the conversion will not be real. It will not be real because there's no commitment to follow. Faith in Jesus will demonstrate a true reliance on God's grace to follow the words of Jesus And live the life that reflects that commitment. A few things about the new birth this morning. The new birth is not about professing spirituality. It is about possessing God's Spirit. You and I cannot talk our way into a relationship with God. You and I cannot be God's possession unless we are possessed by God's Spirit. You, however, Paul says in Romans, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. How do you know that the person possesses the Spirit of God? You have a tendency and an appetite to know Him, and your behavior and my behavior reflects that in our life. Christianity is not about perfection. It's about reflection. We reflect the glory of Christ. Secondly, religious conversion is not what the new birth is all about. The new birth is not about religious conversion, but about spiritual experience. Second Peter 1 4. Through this He has given us a very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Basically, don't think of being born again as a Christian, as, oh, I I converted to this religion. I used to be this religion, and now I'm in this religion. has nothing to do with that. True conversion is when the Holy Spirit of God takes control of our life, and gives us the grace and the truth to follow Jesus. Are you truly free? Your testimony as a Christian is evidenced by the difference between how you were and how you are now. Do you base your commitment to Jesus on what you see others are doing? Can you identify a counterfeit gospel? And You know, most false conversion happen not because people don't believe in Jesus. I just want to warn you about that. Most conversions do not happen not because people don't believe in the Bible. Many people believe in the Bible but are not converted. Many people even believe in Jesus but are not converted. What's the problem? You see, it's not that people don't believe in Jesus. People don't put their trust in the authority of Jesus. It's not because people don't believe the Bible. It's because they don't want to put the Bible... As the authority in their life and practice. How do you know you're an authentic follower of Jesus? There's no question about it. Grace and truth. Grace and truth is received. You acknowledge the authority of Jesus as your king. And you follow the authority of his word. Will you stand? I won't want to end without, you know, asking people this morning. About the kind of relationship they have. With God. And I said this before. And I say it many times. Let's not just get into this. Praying a short prayer. I mean the prayer is short. But how about when we pray. To receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. What about adding something to that. I'm not trying to add scriptures. Or I'm not trying to reinvent anything. But how about saying. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. As you trust in Jesus. How about, how about asking that as part of the prayer. Because maybe. Maybe. Maybe you've been, you've been living your Christian life as a Christian for so many years. But man, Paul warns us in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I think it is, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Why would he ask us that? Because there are people who think that they can follow, they can be Christians without following what Jesus said. So I'm going to pray for those of you who want to come into that living relationship with God. Jesus has got you covered already. You know, the cross covered pretty much everything, okay? The only thing that you need to wait for, when, wait on when, when you come to faith in Jesus is the, the, the glorification of your body. All right? Everything else is taken care of. But this body is still here in this world. Still, still need to crucify it. But you're on your way. You have eternal life you know what? There's going to be some barriers on the road. There's going to be some bends on the road. What you want to be is a Christian who trusts the authority of God's word and who subjected yourself to the rule of Jesus as your king. When you enter the kingdom of God, you are not the king. You know why the the Bible says when you come to, to, to heaven, you're going to put your crown and lay it on the feet of Jesus? I think this is what it means. I think we do a lot of things thinking that we have autonomy, thinking that we're kings on our own. We have one king, one ruler. It's Jesus Christ. The Bible calls him the righteous one. (laughs) How many of you want to hide behind the righteousness of Jesus? I do.
0: You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for a church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.